0: Today is Thursday, October 19th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The hospital bombing in Gaza. What really happened? We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us, just like Barbara did. Podcast at CBN.org. It was great to hear from Barbara, but... We've got a lot coming up on the podcast today. Joining me now, as always, Trey Phillips, Billy Hallowell. Gentlemen, what's up on this Friday, Junior?
1: Doing well, doing well. Well, uh, good morning to Barbara. Yeah. Um, and whoever else is here, we're happy to have you.
0: Yes. And we have a lot coming up. I mean, the war in Israel is still raging on. The debate, guys, over this Gaza hospital thing has just been wild. It's so emblematic of the media and the narratives and we'll dive into all of it here in just a minute but on the focus we've got a bible find for the ages billy we do yeah this couple they
2: found a bible and we'll get into where they found it how they found it and why it was pretty surprising and shocking
0: very cool we also have an incredible testimony of a former hezbollah terrorist turned christian cbn's chris chris mitchell caught up with him incredible incredible testimony you'll hear that Uh, Upcoming on the main thing, but first we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. President Biden visited Israel this week. This is as the offensive into Gaza is still on hold. An explosion at a hospital in Gaza caused massive controversy. Meanwhile, as the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry they insisted the explosion was caused by israel but video evidence later surfaced that indicated the strike was likely caused by hamas misfired rockets president biden himself said that the evidence he's seen suggests it was hamas's fault contrary to initial reports from hamas it appears most of the damage came to a nearby parking lot not a direct hit on the hospital itself one of the hamas leaders quoted in the press blamed the united states saying it was giving israel quote cover for its aggression the military said some 450 rockets fired from gaza had fallen short and landed on the gaza strip in the past 11 days another day, another failed attempt for the GOP to nominate a Speaker of the House. Jim Jordan received even less votes than he did the first time around. They're expected to hold another vote soon. We'll carry it live on CBN News' YouTube channel when it happens. And the Conservative Party of Canada is presently holding a big lead over Justin Trudeau. And the leader of that party, Pierre Poilievre. Man, he had an incredible interview, and I wanted to talk to Trey and Billy about that now. For more updates on Israel and everything else, head on over to cbnnews.com. Guys, this clip, Trey, I think you said it to me earlier, and I'm mesmerized by this clip. I don't even know how to say this gentleman's name. He's the I don't follow Canadian politics all that closely, but he's the leader of the Conservative Party. They have a lead in the polls right now. And a media journalist starts grilling him on whether he's a populist and he just turns the tables around on this reporter in a way that was not like I've seen before. He was eating an apple casually the whole time and just saying, well, who says that? Where did you see that? What page of Trump's playbook am I taking it from? Can you show me the page? And he left this guy speechless. It was amazing.
1: The whole clip to me is just so funny. Like from (laughs) beginning to end, the fact that he's just casually eating an apple Mm -hmm. while this interview is going on, that he's not bothered or phased at all by the questions coming at him. And then that he thought to just lob it back at him like who are the people? Because that's something so off. Like you watch MSNBC, CNN, Fox, it doesn't matter. Like all of them, whenever they're talking to somebody kind of adversarially, they always take the question that they want to ask. And then they say, well, people are saying, and they never tell you what the people are. And I mean, I know as a journalist, we could get ourselves in that same trouble too, if we're not careful, but it's just kind of nice to see somebody call out the, uh, the bias that, People that journalists so often try to hide by saying, well, so many people are asking. Right. Yeah. I mean, my biggest concern was, is
2: that a honeycrisp? Because that's the best kind of apples. So that's all I could keep (laughs) thinking is this man eating a honeycrisp apple? But no, I mean, I just love that he's chomping. I don't think I've ever seen anybody so comfortable a politician eat food while they're doing an interview. I just thought that was the most bizarre, but also awesome. It was. He didn't
0: care. No, he he didn't. And it was because normally a politician's going to be thinking, okay, he's talking about rhetoric, he's talking about this, and which answer do I want to give that's most appealing? And instead, he did the best thing he could do, which was point out all the flaws in this line of questioning. And he kind of correctly assumed this journalist just had, a, like you said, Trey, an opinion of his own and was trying to formulate, well, a lot of people are saying, who? Who's saying that? <laughs> and he's like, well... I don't know. Eventually he gets down to I don't know who's saying it. I'm just saying it. And um it's it's amazing. It is, it's a honestly, it is a example for journalists to you better be ready to substantiate your question. If you're if you're saying people are saying, you better be ready for them to say, Well, who is saying? You can say, Well, look, there's there's this post on social media, a lot of that's trending. It was a trending topic yesterday. This question I saw lots of times from comment, something like that, any, or this politician said this, or this leader said something like have something. It's the lazy way to do it, which unfortunately is a lot of media now. And most people are not savvy enough under the lights. It's not easy. It's it's easier um, said than done to, to be that you know witty and clever and point out those flaws. And sometimes the journalists will be ready and then you can answer the question. But in this case, I mean, it just, and also he's, Going after this guy, clearly Canada's got even more issues than America does right now. I mean, we saw what happened during COVID with the rights and the freedoms that were lost, and now they're having economic issues as well. So I I just think it spoke to a lot that's going on right now.
1: Well, I think it also revealed the fact that whether it's a conservative-leaning outlet or a left-leaning outlet, so much of our media, when it comes to at least cable interviews is entertainment it's a complete yeah. waste like why none of the questions that this journalist was attempting to ask this potential candidate for prime minister none of them were substantive But if you watch and you see a Fox interview with a conservative or you see an MSNBC interview with a left-leaning guy, unfortunately, there are outliers and there are like exceptions to this rule. But so often it's just entertainment. It's like there's nothing substantive being asked here. Right. And I think that interview, more than just showing the bias, revealed that, that none of these interviews that we're watching are actually giving us useful information about our potential leaders.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. In in fairness, though, just really quickly, this journalist, this journalist, I mean, it shouldn't have been that hard to come back with responses on no, some of these. That no, was no, a little alarming to me. I was yeah. like, okay, well, give him an example. This isn't that hard.
0: Right, exactly. It just, he just He correctly guessed that that journalist had not done that and had not really actually seen. Even if you said, I don't remember who exactly said it, but I saw it on Twitter a bunch of times people brought. So you could have said anything there. He clearly had no idea and which clearly exposed it that it was just his idea even if people are saying that he's like probably they're probably saying it so amazing clip we'll include it in the description here of this podcast episode so you can watch and marvel at it as well all right we are going to head on over to the focus story now a michigan couple they were in for a major surprise while cleaning out an abandoned semi-trailer left on their property what's the story here billy
2: Yeah, so this couple, Larry and Joyce Schramm, they own a storage facility out in Michigan, and there was a semi that was abandoned on this property, and it was filled with all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, it had been there for a long time. They had to go through it and, you know, throw things out. And this, I mean, keep in mind, this truck had been there, as I said, for a while, and so rain had gotten into it. Everything was moldy. Everything was just waterlogged and ruined, except for this one thing. The only thing in this entire semi, that wasn't destroyed was a Bible. And it was wrapped in, I guess, a bag of sorts and completely dry, this giant old 172 year old Bible. And, you know, inside this Bible, they found all sorts of things. They found cards, letters, marriage and death certificates, records, records, from a family, right? And you're talking again about almost 200 years of of records and information in this family Bible. And so they found it incredibly remarkable. They were were shocked. And here they are with this whole family. They don't know this family. They don't know who this person is that owned it, but their entire history in it.
0: That is something else. And what are they going to do with this Bible? Or what did they do?
2: So they, you know, they could have kept it. Right. I mean, a lot of people would be like, wow, this is really cool. This (laughs) this truck was left here for years. You know, I mean, it's I guess it's ours. Right. It's on our property. But they felt really compelled. Um, You know, a they thought this is amazing how old this book is. They said it was, quote, a neat find. But they felt compelled to try to put the clues together to return this Bible. They wanted to find out, who is this family, right? Who are the descendants? Who does this actually belong to? Because they didn't feel that it belonged to them. And the only information, of course, again, there was a lot in there, death certificates, marriage and all that. But the only real information they had to go on was this last name, Wendell. And that was it. So they had this last name and they decided to embark on a journey to try to find who who owned the Bible.
0: And how did they end up finding I mean, this seems like a needle in a haystack to try to figure this one out. It was.
2: And so they, I guess at first they could not find the family, right? They went on this journey. They could not figure out, they couldn't find out anybody who was related to anybody who was missing this Bible. Again, you know, looking at maybe who owned this semi before it was abandoned. Uh, They ended up contacting WJBK TV, which is a local affiliate. And it was reporters who got involved and started trying to track down, you know, putting their professional skills to use who might've owned this Bible. And so they start reaching out and they find somebody in California. And then that person in California connects them with this woman, Chris Wendell out in Arizona. And it turns out that the Bible actually belonged to her father and his side of the family. And so they were able to find who owned this Bible, track it down. And she explained that her grandparents were antique dealers. So now they've found the woman, they've got her on, and it's kind of a cool interview. You can see it over at CBN News and over at Faithwire. But she's telling these reporters, look, my grandparents were antique dealers. Her dad had this semi with all this stuff in it, and her dad died seven years ago. And when he died, somebody was supposed to come and clean it out. There was a friend who said, hey, I'm going to come and clean it all all out. Don't worry about it. That person never showed up, right? So she had no idea that this Bible was there at all. And she's been on a quest to understand her family history more since her dad has died. And so this Bible on its way to her now is actually giving her all the information about her family history, not just faith history, but also uh, other details.
0: Wow, that is something else. Uh, I mean, what do you guys think when you're hearing a story like this and you're hearing these details and how it all comes together and how somebody gets motivated to do something and it ties together with what's going on in someone else's life. What are your guys' reactions when you're hearing all this unfold?
1: Well, I just think it's, yeah, it's super encouraging to see stories like this and also just craziness, right? That this, like, how on earth do you find this Bible? So it's like like one really unlikely thing after the other, that they are able to find this Bible then find the right people who they can contact to, find the actual owners of the Bible. So yeah, it's just encouraging to see stories like this, especially when there's so much negativity going on and there's so many difficult stories to see something like this. Like, is it the most consequential story? No, but is it really encouraging? Is it cool to see uh, these little things that I think God blesses us with, right? To encourage us along the way. And I think uh, this is a great story to remind us of that. Yeah, I was going to add one other thing here. In in a culture where we're so
2: busy and we're rushing around and it's all about me, me, me and and the self, the fact that this couple went out of their way to try to track this down and realize that this was something that really mattered to somebody, right, that this was really going to matter and there was a whole history here you know, this woman, you know, Chris Wendell, she said, my dad would be very proud that you guys found this Bible that would bring him great mm-hmm. joy. And the family themselves, the, the Shrams, they were like, look, we're just glad this Bible's making its way to its rightful owner. So it was, I think there's, it's a simple story that has some deeper truths. And I think even teaches us some lessons maybe about how we should behave if we find ourselves yeah. in a similar circumstance.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And I just think I love the show American Pickers. I used to watch it all the time. And I don't know, there's just something about old stuff and especially a Bible, right? As Christians, like it's really cool to see, a, what'd you say? 172 years old, Billy. Um, yeah, so that, yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, that's insane. I mean, you were talking, you know, hundred, that gets us down to 1923. I mean, you know, the 1800s, mid 1800s to get that sort of a little bit of a connection to that era, to just to have a little tangible thing to, it just, it's really cool. I, I don't know There's something about it that's just really neat. And that like when I watch those shows, American Pickers, when they're sifting through and it's not the stuff, it's great to have some cool things. It's that connection to the past, seeing the way things were made and how people did it before all this modern technology. Who's read that Bible and what lives have been changed? And I don't know, it really just makes you ponder when you see stuff like that. It's really cool. So I appreciate bringing that one to the story, Billy. Really, really cool stuff. Good to have an uplifting one here in the midst of all the chaos that's going on right now. And. I would argue here, as we head in to the main thing, that this one's uplifting as well, Uh, even though the background is really, really shocking and and horrifying. But the way God worked in this situation is really incredible. Afshin Javid was visiting Israel with his ministry, which promotes friendship between Persians and Jews, when he found himself all of a sudden in the middle of this Hamas-Israeli war that launched on October when obviously Hamas engaged in a horrific, horrific attack. He's a former Hezbollah fighter. And so he's no stranger to violence. And he's now a converted Christian. Incredible testimony. He sat down with CBN's Chris Mitchell to tell this story. And that's today's main thing.
3: When an Iranian ex-Hezbollah shows up in Israel, everyone wants to know why... I'm here. You were born in
4: Iran. Correct. You were Hezbollah fighter for three years. Correct.
3: I was on my way to the United States to convert Christians into Islam. And um, I had 30 illegal passports at that time. I was arrested, uh, put in jail in Malaysia. I was a uh, dedicated Muslim. Not only prayed the prayers, but I read the Quran once every 10 days cover to cover. So I was very dedicated. In my time in jail, uh, one day as I'm praying, a man appears in front of me, normal size, but his being shines like light. And this light was not a normal light. This light carried identity in it. You knew that he's holy and he's just and instantaneous, I knew I am not. Even though I had prayed so many prayers, even though I had fasted so much, and I had read the Quran, and I had volunteered to walk on landmines, or I had participated in hanging people trying to please Allah. I knew, even though I have kept all the rules and regulation of Islam, I knew I am not just, and I'm not holy. And I knew the only just thing for him to do is to kill me. But I didn't want to die. So I ran to the corner of the room, literally held my head in my arms and just cried out shouting, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I didn't think he will forgive me because he is just. Till I felt a touch on my left shoulder. And he said, I forgive you and i felt a weight just lifted off me and I, I i knew i'm forgiven but i don't know how and i was confused i was like okay i don't understand only god can forgive you just forgive me you are god but you are a different god than the one i have studied about this is not allah so who are you that forgives me and i feel forgiven today and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I thought, that's very powerful, it means a lot, because as a Muslim you pray, show me there is a straight path, kind of thing. And so, the way is a direction, truth is something you measure, life is a source, but he claims to be all those three. I never thought the way is a person. The truth is a person and life is a person and all of them is the same person. So I said, I don't understand. What is your name? And I said, Jesus Christ. And someone grabbed all my bones out of my body. I just fell like a piece of meat to the ground and I just began to weep.
4: What changed after that?
3: It's like, you know, being colorblind, and then suddenly you see colors again. And you realize the world is so much more beautiful than you ever thought. If you ask me what made the world so colorless, it's the hatred, the anger, that is in the heart of every Muslim. I mean, I, people say, why did you hate the Jews? I had never met a Jew. But I thought Hitler was a good man for doing what he did. He just didn't finish the job. I don't know why I hated them. No Jew had ever done anything bad to me. God didn't design us to hate. Didn't design us to want to see someone dead. He did not design us for these things. These are design of Satan. How do you think? Killing the people that God gave them this land to is gonna please Allah. The God of heaven, the God of Abraham and Moses, the God of their prophets and Jesus is not a God that celebrates when Jews are killed. In
4: early October, Efshin was visiting Israel with his ministry, which promotes friendship between Persians and Jews. But like millions of others, he found himself in the middle of a war when Hamas launched a bloody attack. When Afshin visited the CBN News Bureau, he met another guest, Sasha Aryev, whose teenage sister had been kidnapped by Hamas. He and his wife wept as they watched her
3: story. There is absolutely no justification no explanation, that can make any of these okay. Nobody should celebrate when one of the sons of Father Abraham is killing another. And I just want to say I'm sorry that your family is going through this. I'm sure that a lot of Muslims
4: around the world, they do not want this to happen. Off camera, Afshin and his wife prayed for Sasha. and invited her to visit them for dinner. Her reply: "I'd be happy to come
3: and bring my sister with me." We are standing with uh, with with uh, all the Jewish people, with the people of Israel, and we are we are mourning their sorrow of their family members that have been lost, but also for the right of Israel to exist.
4: At the end of our interview, Afshin offered a prayer those on both sides of the war in Israel.
3: You love the world, the whole world, all the people of the world, so much that you sacrificed Jesus Christ so that we will not perish but have eternal life. I pray today that the revelation of Jesus Christ would go forth amongst the Muslims and the sons of Ishmael. I pray that you would remember that covenant with Ishmael, that you would go forth because Ishmael is thirsty for the revelation of love, for the revelation of Jesus Christ, for the revelation of salvation. Father, I pray that there would be a hand of protection that would protect Isaac on every front. Not only in Israel, but all around the world. Give us visions, dreams, wisdom to speak peace in this war. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.
0: That was one of the more powerful interviews I've seen in quite some time. And again, I will have this one as well. A bunch of links in this podcast episode today, but... Really amazing to hear that interview and that testimony. And Trey, we've seen this before, but God appearing in visions and dreams to Muslims, it's something that he seems to do with frequency these days.
1: Yeah, it's incredible to see the way the Lord will reach people. And also a good reminder that there's nobody beyond the the point of redemption yeah. in the eyes of Jesus, right? Obviously, we can write people off and we shouldn't, but we so often do. Uh, but the Lord doesn't write us off. And that's that's what most what's most important. And it's a good reminder, honestly, a convicting reminder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to have time here on the pod for one last thing. So I wanted to end. Today on Revelation eight, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. And I don't know, you just hear that interview there, and that's a gentleman who just got hit in the face with that reality. And you see his response to that and what God can pull people out of, as you said, Trey, and it's just... It's a beautiful reminder of just how powerful God is. His arms are not too short to save.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a great reminder that there's nothing that happens in this life that's outside of God's knowing, right? Outside of his sovereignty.
0: Amen. All right. We're going to wrap it there for this Friday Junior episode of the podcast. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian Perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. Have a great rest of your Thursday.